Theologian Ellen Davis writes about a religious imagination as an ability to imagine that the world could be different than it is now, to imagine that it could be worse, but also to imagine that it could be better. For the past few weeks, I've begun to think of the Watershed Way as an exercise in cultivating something like a religious imagination. As Todd has been apt to quote this passage from Jeremiah throughout this podcast, which says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask where the good way is and walk in it. It seems to me that this is the heart of the Watershed Way. It's asking which path shall we take? Should we take the path that recognizes past injustices done to the land and to its original inhabitants and seeks ways to confess and atone? Or will we ignore this history and thus perpetuate this violence? Will we eat in ways that honors the limits of the land and builds trusts and relationships? Or will we continue to eat in ways that harms the earth and its people? What is the good path that leads to a better world? Can we imagine what that world might look like? Can we try to make it a reality? Today on our podcast, we ask these kinds of questions about what we should do with our plastic. Many of us have heard the mantra, reduce, reuse, recycle. For a long time, that final R, recycle, has been a primary focus of the environmental movement. I grew up at a time when recycling bins were first coming into widespread use, at least where I was. And I can remember watching while bins appeared where they hadn't been before. And this felt like a great victory, a step along the good path, an answer to the concerns about plastics in our oceans and our landfills. But as it turns out, plastics can be difficult to recycle. Not all plastics can be recycled in the same way, and there are fewer and fewer buyers for recycled materials. And as a result, some municipal recycling centers no longer recycle plastics. This was the case in Taos County, so many people in the area, including Todd and Rhino, began asking, what is the good path that leads to a better world? How might they respond in accordance with the vows of the Watershed Way and as it naturalized citizens to place? And so today, we'll find out what they did. If you've not joined us before, my name is Zach Martinez. I'm the pastor of Sojourn Mennonite Church in Fort Collins in Greeley, Colorado. I'm joined today by Todd Winward, who is the executive director of the Taos Initiative for Life Together, or TILT, and Daniel Rhino Herrera, who is sometimes called the High Priest of the Watershed Way. This is the second to the last of our last of our podcast, which means that our conversation about the Watershed Way will soon come to an end. But the path to restoration is long and winding, and it requires diverse perspectives and elegant solutions to complex problems. What to do with our plastic waste is one complex problem that Todd and Rhino have attempted to answer. And we'll see what they came up with on today's episode of the Path to Restoration podcast. Well, like a lot of communities in America, we, we were stunned when Taos County decided to stop recycling plastic a few years ago. No one could believe it. There were thousands of us who were asking, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with our plastic? We knew our county and actually the whole country needed some kind of creative, courageous community response. Then Tilt had a bold idea to bail bricks out of our plastic trash and turn waste into walls.
So I'm going to read directly from a recent media story about you all, because you're all so famous. This is a, this is about <laughs> this is about plastic not being repurp not being recycled in Taos anymore. So here's the quote: In response, an innovative solution has emerged in Taos. Windward, that's you, Todd. Oh wow! Yeah, Windward, the executive director of the Taos Initiative for Life Together, or Tilt, and Herrera, Rhino. That's me. That's me. Wow. Herrera, a member of Tilt's leadership team, they're collecting and repurposing plastic as building materials in walls and other structural elements. They use crushed, condensed plastic to fill wire and wood frames, which are troweled over with stucco. And that's the end of the quote. Well, that was right on. <laughs> that is what we do. <laughs> that's good. That's good reporting. So this is all super cool, but it leads me right away to a disturbing question, which is outgassing and odor and deterioration so how does this work well no need to worry about that zach we encase the plastic in stucco okay which is a cement the plastic isn't exposed to sunlight or oxygen flow a coke bottle in your kitchen counter or a yogurt container in your fridge is doing more damage hmm. <laughs> that's disturbing actually. right <laughs> that is actually more disturbing <laughs> So, but what's so interesting about this too is that your response wasn't just about solving the plastic problem because that's just not how Tilt does things, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. We like, we like looking at the holistic picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were looking to develop an elegant solution that addressed a host of complex problems that are going on in our country. Mm -hmm. The motto of the business isn't just repurposing plastic. It's repurposing plastic, repurposing lives. Hmm. Okay. So go on. What does that mean? You go. Well, first of all, sure, the repurposing plastic project will significantly reduce the amount of plastic going into Taos County's dumps and landfills. Hmm. It will do a small but important part to reduce some of the damage to our local ecosystem for thousands of years. So that's mm -hmm. like the surface level. Right. Yeah. Hmm. But we don't want to fool anyone. We're only dealing with a few hundred people and a very small percentage of Taos's plastic. We're doing this project for a lot of other reasons, too. Like what? Well, what I love the most about it is that it brings our cultures together in common cause. Mm -hmm. Even though we come from different culture traditions, we all can work together to deal with our plastic pollution. Mm -hmm. Like the other thing still does, like growing food together, building with earth together, mm -hmm. caring for our kids together. This project encourages us to deal with our waste together. Mm -hmm. And and then what I love is it also it'll bring revitalization to a deeply and economically depressed town. And it's going to bring hope, income, employment, a little purpose and renewal and excitement to downtown Cuesta. That's where our main headquarters are. The storage facilities are located there. Hmm. In unused storefronts, it used to be a broken, it's a broken down video store. And now... It's a new headquarters along Cuesta's Main Street. Hmm. Right. And, it, and it'll be a transition opportunity for folks coming out of addiction and incarceration. Oh, cool. You know, Randy Martinez and I are the main employees, and we've been through it on both sides. Mm -hmm. you know, but now we're, all, we're solid role models mm -hmm. in the community and part of the core leadership of TILT. Hmm. And then the, for, the foreman on the job at the uh, headquarters. Right, the site supervisor. 
unsafe. Hmm. So in addition to like doing the work in the Baylor, you get to be like mentors too, right? You know, mentors, pathway navigators hmm. through this work. You know, we're giving meaning and hope and opportunity employment and empowerment to people who could use a second chance. So we don't have that in place yet, but we're hoping to build a little force of, of folks coming out of transition like that. Right? Just cool. like the plastic, giving it a second chance. Hmm. You know, allows us to hold a job with dignity that Definitely. truly makes a difference in our community and in their own home community. Hmm. It will provide continued inspiration and a sense of community empowerment for hundreds of Taos County's residents who want to repurpose their plastic and do the right thing. One, one woman even said, we're all so happy you exist. Right. And I said, well, we're so happy you exist. <laughs> but, you know, I think that alienation and privacy and sense of impotence that COVID economically laid on people was a deep spiritual and social toll. And this was just one little bright spot for us. Hmm. Well, yeah, and that... And, not, and that impotence just in the face of such a significant problem. Like, what do you do when your county decides to stop recycling plastic? This is like We're the so thing you've been told to do. Right. Waiting. Like, I, I definitely resonate with that sense of, of impotence and just feeling like, like there's nothing that I can do to fix the problems that I perceive. Yeah, exactly. So how was this idea hatched? How was repurposing plastic project born? I'm thinking of a very large plastic egg right now. I can't help but imagine that. Right. <laughs> um, and the rooster sitting on top <laughs> was Doug Eichelberger. Okay. Doug, um, Doug's an architect who we didn't know, but he, he brought this idea to a meeting of the Plastic Free Taos, which mm. is a group of concerned people who were feeling pretty impotent. Mm. We didn't know what, was, what we could do. And so he suddenly shows us this 15-minute PowerPoint about what his experiments of building in Colorado with repurposed plastic and what we might be able to do. Hmm. And there was utter enthusiasm in the room and an utter inability for anyone to run with it. Hmm. So Tilt stepped up to say, we'd try it out. <laughs> okay, that sounds like Tilt. Um, <laughs> so, But what does it mean to try it out? I guess that means, yeah, we'll be the guinea pigs. We'll be the demonstration site. Right. Okay. So, yeah, last summer in the midst of COVID, in the, in the midst of this alienation, Tilt put out the word that we'd start taking people's plastic. Hmm. And it was word of mouth, Facebook, uh, and some emails and stuff. And suddenly we ended up collecting hundreds of bags of plastic that people had squirreled away. They just couldn't believe that no one would do something with their plastic. Right. So, yeah, all those plastic bags would have ended up in our landfill or watershed. What's so interesting about what that means too is that people were just holding on to their plastic. They're not like... They... That's exactly right. They were waiting, <laughs> waiting for a superhero, waiting for a savior, mm. waiting for the government. And so were we. We just couldn't believe that the shock of not being able to put your plastic somewhere other than the trash can. Mm. Right? And instead, we used them for building materials. Mm. You know, we built a, a shed yeah, that's right. for tools in, you know, on our Questor property. Hmm. as well as new seating areas and windbreak walls around the Cuesta Farmer's Market. Hmm. So I want to go back to the news article I mentioned earlier. Oh, you mean the famous noteworthy news article? Yeah, I think this was in the uh, Le Mans is where I found it. Um, yeah. So here's the quote that I want to come back to. Tilt volunteers first tested this practice last summer on Herrera's Cuesta property. Over a that's period right. of 10 weeks. That is, that's exactly what we 
Le Monde has great reporters. Yeah, good journalism. Over the period of 10 weeks, they built a shed using 450 plastic-filled trash bags, crushing the material by foot. Shortly after the shed went up, Gaya McGee from the Cuesta Farmer's Market hired Tilt's crew, and this time they used 2,000 bags of plastic to build windbreaks and sound barriers and benches. And so that's the end of the quote. That is devastating investigative journalism. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And we compressed the plastic and we used it to build walls, planters, benches, hmm. anything builders and clients can imagine. Yeah, really, it could be anything that they tell us to. Right? Hmm. Hmm. You know, and I wanted a tool shed on my property. Gail wanted windbreaks in the seating areas around the farmer's market. Wow. So it worked out. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. So I'm going to go back to this incredible, well-researched, investigative, journalistic piece and quote again. The Farmer's Market Project helped Winward and Herrera determine what they needed to, needed to become more efficient. They needed a mechanical baler to condense plastic faster than could be done by foot. And they needed a place for community members to drop off plastic. And that's the end of the quote. Well, yeah, that's, that's when we approached the Lore Foundation. And I have to reveal, Zach, this, this worldwide famous article you're quoting uh, was actually written by the Lord Foundation uh, as part of the mm-hmm. reporting work at the end of the project. But mm-hmm. this, this is when we finished our, our idea of being a one-off single project and shifted our thinking and ma- moved into the idea of starting a micro-business that might last a long, long time. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to show Taos that together we could do something about our plastic and about that impotence we were talking about, hmm. rather than waiting waiting on someone else to do it, waiting on our government, that, that we could solve our own problem within our own community by creative community action. Hmm. Uh, I mean, this is like, this is like inspired hope. I feel like it's like, it's hope, hope with, with legs and it, that moves. Hope um, with legs, I like that. <laughs> so what's cool is that you just basically, sounds like you just basically created a business from scratch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, I think that is my strange knack or my desire is to try to create things that don't exist yet but should. Hmm. But neither Rhino or I had a business pedigree. We didn't know how to. We didn't get any schooling in business management. I've yeah, started I some nonprofits, start but and that's really been my gift is that we use Tilt, the nonprofit we started, to be the incubator for a business. Hmm. And I don't know if that's how other people have ever done anything, and it's not a graceful way of doing it, but <laughs> we pivoted from a one-time volunteer project into a perpetual business that's supported by a, a nonprofit, Tilt. So we were able to get a small grant from the, uh, from the Lore Foundation, and with that money, we put up a website. What else did we do? We bought that baler. We bought a baler, and we made our headquarters in Cuesta. Yeah, we got to put a uh, door in. Yeah, put a big garage door in where we can that plastic and hmm. have it easily in and out. I had written a budget. It was just a $12,000 grant, but we were able to buy that $5,000 baler. We made some yeah. banners and flyers. We hired a local woman to make some, you know, yard banners. We put up a billboard. We, yeah, we posted that up. So downtown Cuesta has a billboard. We were able to create a database, got an email address base going. And then, yeah, we even got business cards. And then, ah, then we had plastic card, I mean, a magnetic car door signs right mm. and we built a, a big collection box for them to drop their plastic off in the headquarters mm. mm-hmm. man and all of a sudden you're real 
I think to be honest, when we got the magnetic car doors on, that that's when it felt real. Yeah. Like you could, right? right? I mean, you're yeah. driving around. You know, I start to put gas, and I have about two or three people asking me, "Well, how do I sign up? Where can I get a car?" Oh, you know? so cool! You guys are doing great things. Totally, that's awesome. So yeah, we we had lofty goals when we started our business, uh, but we had to like um, make them up. This, you know, mm. we wrote in our initial business vision when we wrote the grant. We said that we are kickstarting a countywide plastic collection and repurposing enterprise. Hmm. And then I had to say, well, what does that look like? What, you know, on the ground, what are some benchmarks? So I said, over the first six months of 2021, we intended to divert more than 3,000 garbage bags of plastic from the Taos County landfill, turning that basura into bales to build with. Yeah, and based on what we've talked about so far, it sounds like you're getting close to that estimate. Yeah, surprisingly close, considering we really had no data to, <laughs> to measure it with. But I, I did my guesses of kind of the early adopters and such. And to submit the grant, they required benchmarks and goals. So I did my best to make some up. Hmm. And so how's that going for you? <laughs> oh, really good. Really good, actually. In the grant, I wrote that we'd initially established two plastic drop-off drop -off points. Okay. One in downtown Taos at Tilt and the other in Cuesta at Rhino's Place. Right. Then we did that, right? right. So, uh, at our headquarters in Cuesta, our small team is, will use a plastic baler to turn waste into walls, hmm. diverting thousands of pounds of plastic from the landfill and instead turning it into condensed, repurposed plastic bales. Hmm. They can be used to construct privacy walls, garden beds, benches, tool sheds, studio spaces. And that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> so, yeah, we kind of... I forget who wrote it, who said it, uh, but somebody, a journalist wrote, you know, the best way to determine the future is to write it <laughs> yourself mm, right? and then, mm. and then make it happen. And that feels a little bit like what we did with this. Yeah. I wrote at the end of the grant by July 1st, 2021, we expect the repurposing plastic project to have 300 dues paying members and we'll be rescuing 500 or more garbage bags of plastic per month from our landfill. Hmm. So how is that? Is that what you're doing? How, how close are you to that? Yeah, just at the turn of the beginning of June, we have more than 300 dues-paying members, and we're rescuing about 600 bags a month from the landfill. Hmm. I love how this was just sort of like guesswork. And, I mean, it sounds like you had some basic knowledge or some basic ideas, or maybe it's just completely out of nowhere. But... It's just the simple act of, we'll give it a try. And, and like, what's your first step? What's, what's, the, what's the bandwidth you have? You know, this is our current bandwidth. It's, I felt like, okay, we could probably encourage an initial first 100 people to do it by the end of 2020 and then get another 200 in the first few months. That just felt like a practical vision, mm. you know? Like, yeah, well, like, what's the harm in, in failing? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We knew we had well-meaning people, so I think that's probably why we we made the business plan of five dollars a month. Mm. Who who would say no to that? Right. Mm. <laughs> no one's going to get too upset that you charge them five bucks a month. I'm just I'm re I'm reminded of this cartoon I've seen about um, climate change and like the tendency of folks to be hesitant to make significant steps about to reduce climate change, and this is it's a quote of of someone in a big room in like a bunch of suits standing up and, be, and like supposedly they're it's about like climate change denial and this person sitting up is like what if we build 
a cleaner world for nothing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, what, 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 what harm could we be doing by failing? Because it's yeah. already not, it's already not happening. It's already not working. What harm could we yeah, be doing by just being open and giving it a try? Yeah. And like, I guess, I mean, maybe it's my own therapy, Zach, that I feel like I have to sort of lash out into the world if I'm feeling depressed and impotent and alone. Like, at least I want to go out <laughs> fiercely into the night or something. And so we didn't know what we were doing when we just did this one project. But yeah, what harm could be done by saying we were going to take people's plastic? My wife was concerned. We were like, wait, what if our yard becomes just a <laughs> total garbage dump? Right. You know, that was a risk. I guess that's, and a, that's inviting, a inviting people through our, our, our garden gate was a risk, but tilt where we live and the compound where the nonprofit calls its home, we're right in the center of town. And we wanted to open our doors to this problem. We mm. wanted to join affiliates and have people's light shine in their eyes and look at us and be like, Hey, we're doing something together, even in the face of desperation, mm. you know? And then we're like, what harm could it be to do one, one shed? Maybe we'll have too many piles of plastic in Rhino's yard up, you know, up in Cuesta. That's the other concern. What if people left a bunch of greasy trash? So we did have to take some risks, but we knew that we'd spend the hours cleaning it up if somebody hmm. was irresponsible. So yeah, I think just taking that first step is, a, you know, the, the first step of a thousand mile journey. Hmm. And to know that we had our, each other's backs, you know, hmm. Look, if I wasn't there to clean it up, you know, Randy would be there to show up, you know, if not Todd or all three of us would show up. Hmm. Yeah. Done. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the elegant solution, too, I think, that you've been talking about. It's this, it's not just about the fact that you have to get rid of this plastic. It's about that the solution comes with community. Yeah, and that's, I just want to say that's, that's, we've reached this threshold. It's almost like the first six months were fairly predictable. And you can see by my estimates that I made, the benchmarks I made right. out of scratch, that we kind of knew this horizon line, but we don't know what's next. Hmm. That's amazing. So it sounds like you're in the thick of it now. What are the mm -hmm. ways you've adapted and grown? Well, the first thing is how we've changed the way we compress all of our plastic. Oh yeah. I've been I've been thinking of you all sort of barefoot stomping plastic bags and cages like villagers in Italy who are smashing <laughs> grapes for wine. <laughs> that is pretty much how it was at right. first. <laughs> Some of our more acrobatic and agile workers were up at the top of head height standing up on the top of the wall, we'd hand them up trash and they'd smash it down, stepping and smashing into the bin. Mm. Yeah, using people power. Mm. Physically stomp the plastic worked well for our first two projects, like the farmer's market in Cuesta, when we had volunteers, interns, and a willing public. Like a captive audience. When we had, right? <laughs> had, it's quite the sight, I'm sure. Yeah, and, you know, and it seemed like more people were happy. They were pretty into it. Right, to take out their pandemic frustration <laughs> on all that trash. Mm. Sign me up. Right. But we've learned that the people power is not always available for all projects, mm -hmm. nor is it very efficient. So with the help of the Lord Foundation, we purchased a plastic baler. OK, like the big machine. Right. Yeah. The big yellow beast. The big yellow beast. <laughs> is that its name? 3,000 pounds. You know, we picked up a used one at an institutional recycler and trucked it down from Denver. Hmm. It compresses plastic trash into 25 pound bales, sort of the size of a hay bale. Now at our headquarters in Cuesta, we're starting to bail every Friday morning, prepping for plastic for building. Hmm. Yeah, so that we get some volunteers. We, if we start kind of having a regular Friday morning session, right. 
Uh, some people, some students from UNM showed up the other week that was inspiring. Mm. But so we've adapted some scheduling, but the second way we've adapted is we've streamlined the building process to become more efficient. Mm. We now can crush plastic about three times as fast with that baler than we mm. could by foot. But then the baler also crushes material tighter than we just could do by hand. Meaning what? Meaning we use more plastic waste per square foot, hmm. and each square foot is stronger, lighter, and provides more insulation. Hmm. And tighter, yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, like the old $6 million man show, Steve Austin. Better. Yeah. Stronger. <laughs> stronger. <laughs> yeah, the bales are just better. Hmm. You know? okay. And we've also changed the way we transport the plastic. You know, now we have a trailer. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's the trailer. Right. It's, it's changed things for us. <laughs> We're going to have to give all these things a name. I think but the, the big trailer... yellow machine is what I'm shooting for, for the Baylor. I like that. Right? <laughs> or the beast. Was it the big yellow beast? But literally, yeah, the 16, the 16 foot trailer is going to need a name. Like, yeah, it's, it's our savior right now. Cause Randy, our transport operator had to use a pickup truck and he was getting 30, 35 plastic bags uh, each trip. And he'd have to drive a couple of times each week from Taos 20 miles to Cuesta. Yeah. And then drop them off. But with this baler, I mean, with this trailer, <laughs> trailer baler, right. with this trailer, we now can get more than 100 on the back of one trip. Mm. So it cuts, it's only one third of the travel costs and time. Well, that's Once huge. A week, not two or three times a week. Yeah, mm. that's a big deal. So we've gone through some of the designs that we've talked about. Um, but I'd be interested in hearing how some of the designing processes worked and what other prototypes you've been working on. You know, our first design was a simple shed. That one on your property. Right? Mm -hmm. That was one up in Costa. A load-bearing posting beam structure, but we used plastic, a, a zin fill, 16-inch thick walls. So like a straw bale, but plastic instead. Right. Hmm. You know, we attached the regular cattle fence panel, 5 feet by 16 feet. We lined it with chicken wire. You know, and this is all available at our local hardware yeah. store. Anybody could buy it. Right? Yeah. And all that plastic in the walls insulates better than a prefab shed. Hmm. And so I would I would imagine it's not as warm though in the winter as a heated adobe house or an insulated modern home, but do you think a shed like this could be used as a studio over the winter? Probably, with a little safe heat source, but we're not using plastic infill for human housing yet. Okay, yeah. And so are you doing any other kinds of building work? Well, then, it, like we talked about, yeah. Then we did our second prototype was a community plaza right. for the Quester Farmers Market. Right. So we built windbreaks, privacy walls, bancos, that kind of stuff. So what, what's a banco? Benches that are connected to the walls so la gente can sit, mm. come, listen to music, support the local farmer's market, like a little placita, like oh. the old days. Sit down, stay a while, la cultura cura. Mm. Get to know your neighbors, enjoy the sunshine. Mm. Yeah, and, and then our third project was our biggest. That's like our monumental so far. It's a 10 by 20 storage and tack room. Okay. Oh, so like for a horse? Yeah. For this one, we applied for a builder's permit. Oh. We think it's the first permitted repurposed plastic project of its kind in northern Nuevo Mexico. That's mm. like a big deal, right? Totally. And it's the size of a small studio and sports a double front window. It's really nice, actually. It, and to get permitted... <laughs> Uh, it's legit and, totally. uh, and you know, appro approved by the county. It's, it's really beautiful and cozy. Yeah, that's not something that you could take lightly. And that sounds like something I could totally live in. Right? <laughs> yeah. And you use more plastic trash than any other project we've done. Like any, any single project. Any single project that we've done. Hmm. 
mm. you know, over a thousand bags of plastic. And we're just finishing it up this week. Pouring the cement slab and the inspectors already given the final approval. Jeez. We're already stuck with the first base coats. Wow. And when it's done, it'll be colored to match the home next door, which the owners live in. Oh, so you so, can even like change the color. I mean, like you could just make it fit in, right, with whatever's around. Right. Well, and what a lot of people don't realize that aren't into the building uh, trades around here is that anything that's stuccoed could have anything inside. <laughs> it could be marshmallows, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, but it's a cement skim coat on the outside. And so cinder blocks are inside of a lot of ones. Uh, they look adobe, but straw bale, pumice creek, and in this case, it's plastic, compressed. Hmm. You wouldn't even know. Right. And so we're hoping that this, as a prototype, because we've done a permit, this is a breakthrough in Taos County, at least, and maybe for the whole state and maybe for the whole nation to build with plastic and get it okayed by the state department or by your local uh, permitting agency. Totally. Right? Just like we were talking last podcast that the price of lumber went up twice, right. double in the last year. <laughs> oh, I did. And it's so cool. I mean, there's like, I just, it's amazing how all these things weave together because you have this, you have another issue here where building materials then the prices are going up well so does this mean that it's cheaper to do what you all are doing than like some of the lumber that you've been having to work with well it, it the stucco is not cheap and mm. the human labor if you pay the human labor is not cheap it doesn't come down to uh like it's not a total bargain compared to say using cinder block right. but it is if you're thinking about the commonwealth of the whole watershed if you're thinking about that that um, embedded energy in the cement, the Portland cement that comes from elsewhere, or the timber that has to be logged and brought here, and as the price of modern construction materials go up, the remember it costs money to put plastic in the landfill as well. Hmm. And so we're actually taking something that costs money and turning it into something that can be built with. So yeah, it's a it's 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 that empowerment and moral agency too. I, I want to diverge just for a minute, too, about moral agency, because in this time, I think we feel we're so uh, afloat on a sea of indecision and des despair. And for us to take our courage back, take our community back and decide that this is what we want to build with, it's it's a somewhat of a courageous community thing to do. Right. Mm, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's that fourth R, actually. We talk about reduce, reuse, recycle, but the fourth one that our ally Angie Fernandez always reminds us about is to refuse. Hmm. To refuse the dominant consciousness that says it's okay to throw away plastic and to hmm. refuse the ideology that we have to spend a lot of money for pre-made boards and such. Hmm. You know, we've already paid for the plastic, we might as well use it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Rhino, one of the things I heard you say earlier is that this project has brought people together from different cultures around this common cause. And that's cool because that's exactly what you talked about in the watershed way. And this is interesting to me because when I hear watershed, I think about it in a sort of narrow sense. So I think about it as like protecting our rivers and using water responsibly and things like that. But, but this project seems like it goes well beyond just protecting our waters or conserving water or whatever. That's exactly right, Zach. The watershed way is a shared life way. Hmm. It's about bringing people together to find creative so solutions to complex problems. Mm -hmm. The Taos Valley is a diverse place full of many people. 
Estados Pueblo, Nuevo Mexicanos, hmm. white settlers, recent immigrants. And the problem of plastic is a problem for all of us. Mm -hmm. So living accordingly with the watershed way means to seek solutions that benefit us all. Yeah. I like how you said that, mm -hmm. the, that the watershed way brings people together to find creative solutions to complex problems. So it's not just a one-off or something. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why Zach wanted to place our headquarters in Cuesta. Right. Yeah, so instead of just anywhere, we, we focused on an economically depressed sector of our county, a small town mm -hmm. that really needed help. So now if, if we can build something sustainable there, you know, the question was, could we make a bit of a positive environmental impact, of course, but also a bit of a positive economic impact, especially mm -hmm. there? These are the kinds of questions that really excite me. Huh. Well, I mean, well, yeah, those, that is a really exciting question. And I guess it kind of just reminds me of one of the things that we said all the way back in the first episode, because it's about this question of how do we become naturalized to place? And oh, yeah. one of the criteria that you shared with us was that we should demonstrate loyalty to the places that we've chosen as a home. Yeah. And so what it sounds yeah. like to me is you're coming together and you're seeking wholeness, not just for the environment, but for like your fellow citizens who might be living in this economically depressed area. Yeah, that idea of commonwealth. Yeah, and instead of just personal goal seeking or just the environment, but yeah, the true common good. That's one of those goals of becoming a naturalized citizen. Hmm. One, and I think that's kind of comes back to one of the things you said earlier too, is that like local economies are under severe threat. Hmm. And so this kind of work seems like it's just building that sort of like place-based idea beyond what we just like is our food and our water, but also like our wealth. How do we create a local economy that is beneficial to people who live with us. That's so cool. Again, uh, yeah, create a solution to a complex problem, yeah. Hmm. So one of the things I've been thinking about as we've been talking today is how we talk about this idea of a gift. We've talked a lot about how water and food are gifts, and I don't think about plastic as a gift. As, as I think so often as progressives and environmentalists talk about plastics we never talk about it as a gift like a curse almost right yeah yeah it's light on the land yeah it's like a scourge it's yeah. we think of these petroleum projects only in the negative as something to avoid at wow. all costs but if we're honest like we have to be honest i think when we talk about plastics if we're honest plastics have actually been a really great gift for us you know modern yeah. technology modern medical technology is basically impossible without the advent of cheap single-use plastics and I've been thinking about this, especially as we just lived to this global health event and how thankful I've like been about been for modern medical technology. But it all requires the use of cheap single-use plastics. And so I'm wondering if we should reframe this idea of plastics as a gift. And I wonder if that would change how we approach them when we're done with them. You know, mm. we compost our food, we repurpose our water because we value them. Would we begin to change our relationships to plastics if we reframed them in our mind? Does does it does making a significant effort to repurpose plastic become more of an imperative if we think of it as not wanting to let a good gift go to waste? You know, Zach, I really never thought about it that way, but mm. it could. Hmm. Yeah, we we have the slogan of turning waste into walls, right. but it's really mm. like, oh, look at aren't we clever? As opposed <laughs> to this isn't waste, this is a resource. A plastic is precious. Mm. Just what you're saying really reminds me of this, this stranger who came through 
he came to repurposing plastic kind of as this itinerant peddler. And uh, he was a little <laughs> bit, I don't know, uh, well, eccentric, shall we say. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but he, he, he preached the value of plastic and he talked about, and it really made me see, he taught, of us, to, he taught us to think of plastic as really the high-tech, cutting-edge, indestructible, lightweight, super strong resource that it is. He kept claiming that it was designed for space travel, hmm. right? And it actually is. And look how many, how much of our cars are being shaped by plastic instead hmm. of metal. So certainly, the idea of plastic as precious is something that I want to get my head around and my heart around. And instead of think, oh, how can we do something with this waste? More like oh my God, let's do something with this gift. Mm, totally. So yeah, certainly plastic is a gift we've been disrespecting and devaluing in this cast-off society. And then I, gotta, I guess I want to, in correlation, remind us too that the land itself is such a gift. Mm, definitely. And so it's almost like we're doubly stupid when we take a perfectly good gift and then throw it into a perfectly good ground. Mm. <laughs> That's like the... It, when we thoughtlessly dump plastic every day into the Taos landfill because it supposedly is a cheaper solution. Hmm. We're double cursing the future. You know, hmm. it slowly Definitely. decays over the course of thousands of years, leaking microscopic plastic particles into our food and our water systems for generations to come. By doing this, we become the ultimate short-sighted fools. Hmm. How could we ever explain that kind of action to our great grandchildren? Like it just wouldn't make any sense. Right. I wonder that often. <laughs> We're the most arrogant abusers and we think of it as normative. We've broken right relationship with the land due to our affluenza. Once again, you know, coming back to that deep sickness that would even allow us to think that it's all right to dump plastic into the ground. Hmm. That's, that's right. You know, I'm indebted to my ancestors because, you know, they found a way right. to live with yeah. the land in a way that made it possible to pass it on to me. Hmm for me to keep sharing in that gift of good land. Like a, like a legacy, right? Like you owe it to, I mean, to your grandfather, but to your children, right? Mm. No doubt. You know, now it's my job to mm. share that gift with my kids and their kids, mm. you know, and, and the next seven generations. Mm. But it's not just my kids. Mm. Yeah. It's all the kids of all the people in Taos. Mm. We're sharing these gifts together. You know, for the kids of Taos Pueblo, for the kids of Mahente, you know, for the kids of the new settlers. Mm. Todos, juntos, everyone. That's the watershed way. Mm. I mean, this is all really incredibly inspiring. And I can only imagine that listeners are going to want to immediately know how they can get involved or support the work of repurposing the plastic project. So how would someone get involved or how would someone be able to support this project? By the thousands, they're going to line up. Oh, it's right? going yeah. to be knocking down your door. <laughs> we'll just take a few dozen. Yeah. Well, you know, you can sign up for just five bucks a month and we'll accept up to two trash bags monthly of your clean plastic trash. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll put it to good use. You know, we've got two drop-off locations, and they're convenient. One mm. in Taos, Taos and the other one in Cuesta. Mm. Yeah, so you can just become a member, like Rhino said, five bucks a month by just becoming a member of the Plastic Project. You go to repurposingplastictaos.com. 
So it's just the website, repurposingplastictaus.com, and then you can register there. Or if you don't even want to give us your plastic, say you live somewhere else, but you want to inspire and encourage us, you can donate funds directly to Tilt. Tilt is the nonprofit that's the fiscal sponsor for repurposing plastic. Hmm. If you want to write a check, our address is 215 La Posta Road, Taos, New Mexico, 87571. Or you can come and check out our website, and that's taostilt.org. Hmm. And you can see what's going on there. You can listen to the other podcasts, but you can also go to the donation button. And just let us know you want it to go to repurposing plastic, and we'll make sure that happens. Yep. You can also come and join us every Friday morning from <laughs> 9 till noon. Yeah, work with us. Right. Randy, Todd, and I build plastic together every Friday morning. And we're always looking for a few helpful hands. Definitely. We've had some volunteers, some, some university students. Yeah. Um, people can just drop on by and help us out. Oh, that's awesome. Right? That's awesome. Well, and I've also seen a video uh, that was put together by Taos News. And so if you're listening to this and wanting to know a little bit more, you can go onto YouTube and you can look up Tilt's Plastic Shed. And it was a video that was produced by Taos News. And it's the story of their first demonstration project, which was the 10 by 12 shed in Cuesta. And interestingly enough, this video just recently won the most innovative at the Radically Rural National Conference of 2020. So Woo, that's, that's going to be something you're definitely going to want to check out. Yeah. Ten minutes of fame. Ten minutes of fame. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us today, friends. I hope you also plan to join us next Monday, July 19th at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, where we will be discussing more about the Repurposing Plastic Project and how seeking creative, elegant solutions to complex problems is near to the heart of the Watershed Way. Our final podcast will be released on July 26th, and our final Zoom session will be on August 2nd. If you'd like to receive updates about podcast releases and Zoom dates, please visit taustilt.square.site. There you can also learn more about Tilt and this incredible project. Once again, I'm Zach Martinez. I was joined by my friends Todd and Rhino, both from the Taos Initiative for Life Together, or Tilt, and the Repurposing Plastic Project. And this has been the Path to Restoration podcast. <laughs>